Abolition. Abolition. Good evening. Power to the people. I'm what people used to call an old head. Uh, how quickly one becomes an old head. Uh, but in the last three years, and most dramatically in the last ten months, this old head has been moved to be overcome almost with joy to have lived to see the rebirth of a militant black movement that dares to take on the state. <laughs> to take on the state in the form of the police. I'm not talking about the state of Mississippi or the state of Georgia, and it's not just in my city or in your city. It's taking on the cops everywhere that they occupy black communities. And it's also about black cops and black police chiefs and black mayors, too. So many beautiful young people, young black people and young non-black people, have defied the personification of the state, the black corporate democratic president, which makes this old head very, very happy. One of my most vivid, special memories was watching the split screen on television, I think it was PBS, on the evening that the St. Louis prosecutor announced that there was not going to be any indictment of the cop that killed Michael Brown in Ferguson. On one side of the television screen was President Obama, and he was droning on and on about respect for the rule of law and other such nonsense. On the other side of the screen, was a scene from Ferguson, and there were young black people milling about. And then you saw the flickering of flames on the Ferguson side of the screen. And that was the answer to the county prosecutor, and that was the answer to the President of the United States. And that was a profound political statement by people in the street that the police could no longer count on having a monopoly on the use of force. A monopoly of force that they had used and abused for two generations to build a mass black incarceration state whose mission is to throw millions of black people in prison and to contain and terrorize black communities and to criminalize an entire people.
Abolition. Abolition. You just heard a speech from Glenn Ford speaking after Ferguson. And that was followed by Warrior Song by Alex Boyer. Peace and welcome to Abolition Today, a weekly syndicated online radio program with the specific focus on modern slavery as it is practiced through the 13th Amendment of the U.S. Constitution and by for-profit prisons worldwide. We air live every Sunday at 7 p.m. Eastern, 6 Central, and 4 Pacific. Live streams and archived podcasts are available at abolitiontoday.org. And Abolition Today is also available on all major podcast platforms and is simulcast on the Black Talk Radio Network. My, my name is Yusuf Hassan. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Max Parthas. Peace, Max. Peace, Brother Yusuf. I'm here at the Paul Cuffey Abolitionist Center, and uh, just vibing on that track and thinking about the warrior, Brother Glenn Ford, and giving him a salute in his journey to the next round. Absolutely. You know, Glenn Ford, the founder of uh, America's Black Forum, uh, co-founder of the Black Agenda Report, you know, definitely transitioned back on July 28th of this year. Definitely going to be missed. It just made a major impact into uh, black journalism and journalism itself. You know, and he definitely lit the fire under all the other media networks, you know, just like pointing out all of their BS. We acknowledge many historical events whose uh, anniversaries just recently occurred, such as the Atlanta, the uh, Attica uprising, uh, the murder of the six black children in Birmingham, Alabama, and of course there was 9/11. But not that 9/11. The September 11, 1861 proclamation from the great emancipator himself, Abraham Lincoln, that declared recently freed persons to be property and thus would it be turned to their owners and re-enslaved. We were also joined by Chinwezu Abu, the moderator for the Millions for Prisoners Human Rights Coalition, to update us on the events and the results of the Shut em Down 2021 movement. So if you missed that episode, definitely tune into that. Great episode, great information was uh, disseminated in that. This week, we're joined by Her Majesty, the Queen Mother of Benin, West Africa, to discuss international prison systems and the modern slavery abolition movement from an African-centered global perspective. She's the founder of the Afro-Atlantic Theologies and Treaties Institute, travels extensively to promote human rights for African descendants globally. Her Majesty is also a committee member for the UN and a partner in consulting with the Abolished Slavery National Network. So Max and I had a live interview with the Queen mother this past Friday, and we'll play that interview in its entirety on tonight's broadcast. We'll also catch you up on the latest news in Slave Catcher Chronicles and the slavery abolition movement. We have some powerful poetry, some dope music like that opening track that you just heard, and the words of our ancestors brought back to life. So before we start, Max, tell us uh, a little bit about your week. Well, uh a couple, you know, in other ways, I'm keeping keeping it moving. I'm usually very busy doing some shit, but I I've really been out of sorts this week, uh, physically, as well as emotionally, mm-hmm. kind of just worn out. But I want to make note of one thing first: uh, is that yesterday was the anniversary of the Fugitive Slave Act, the Compromise of 1850, uh, that they compromised with slavers 
which would re-enslave people all across America. Uh, I want to read a couple of parts of it. This is from the Fugitive mm-hmm. Slave Laws. It said, and be it further enacted that any person who shall knowingly and willingly obstruct, hinder, or prevent such claimant, his agent or attorney, or any persons or persons lawfully, lawfully assisting him, her, or them, for arresting such a fugitive from service or labor, or shall harbor or conceal such fugitive, shall be subject to a fine not exceeding $1,000 and imprisonment not exceeding six months. A thousand dollars in eighteen fifty was a damn fortune. That's like a hundred grand a day or something like that. You right. know what I mean? So that's the value that they put on this where even in the northern states they open up their doors and say, Come on and get all our Negroes and take them back to wherever they say they own them from. As a matter of fact, they even put into the Fugitive Slave Act that in no trial or hearing under this act shall the testimony of such alleged fugitive be admitted in evidence. You couldn't even speak for yourself. You couldn't even say, you know, nobody owns me. I was born in Connecticut. <laughs> you couldn't, you could, they right. wouldn't accept it. So basically, if the white guy said you was his, you was his, slave catchers came and got you. Sometimes they killed you. Sometimes they brutalized you. Sometimes they rape you. And that was back in 1850. In, in, in 2021, we're still doing the same damn thing. So, yeah, yesterday. Let's remember that. that That's America. Absolutely. <laughs> Ain't that America, is what uh, mm-hmm. Bruce Springsteen would say. And uh, you and I did an interview yesterday uh, with Sister Janice Graham, old friend of mine, from Our Common mm-hmm. Ground. And uh, that was pretty powerful as well. She asked us to come in and speak about the Attica Uprising, as well as connected to modern-day slavery and human trafficking and genocide, which I think we effectively did. <laughs> I might have just pushed it a little far because I was, like, challenging people, like, let me know right now. Call up on the phone to this uh, program if you know of something that is more important to end than slavery and genocide. Come on and give me your ideas. I'm like, yeah, go ahead, do it. <laughs> you know, right, slavery exactly. and genocide is top of the list, man. I don't know what the hell people be thinking. Like, before we get that slavery and genocide, you know, we need we need minimum minimum wages. We need a raise in minimum wages before we get that slavery and genocide thing. You know, or you know, uh, just, California's yeah, it just, on fire. just makes no sense. <laughs> yeah, just, just makes no sense. You know, I, I keep referring to the agenda that they have for ACA three out in California, where we looked at the agenda, here they have, you know, overhead in the chamber, in the assembly chamber, that is the duty of the legislature to enact just laws. And so you say, well, okay, they have abolishing slavery on their agenda. So you would think it would be number one on the list, but it was number right. 41 on the, on the agenda. 41. So they... They felt as though there were 41 other things that were far more important than ending slavery in California, and they didn't even get to it that day. Yeah, they are (laughs) really trying to push what we're doing as some form of symbolic gesture, and that could be – nothing could be further from the truth than that. There is nothing symbolic about actually ending slavery in your constitution. That is not symbolic. The constitution itself is not symbolic. So how can anything in it be symbolic? Right. Well, I'm looking forward to today's uh, uh, discussion because it really wasn't an interview. It was a discussion. So I think man, uh, we should just go ahead and start getting into that so the rest of our audience Absolutely. who's been waiting as well can hear it too.
All right. So uh, without further ado, as you would say, right, <laughs> we're going to go into yes. part one uh, of our discussion with the Queen Mother. And uh, you'll be hearing some music in the background, and that's from Mamadou Diabate. It's from his Tungu album, and it uses the traditional African chorus. Without any further ado, you're listening to Abolition Today, abolitiontoday.org with Max Parthas and Yusuf Hassan, and here is the Queen Mother. Abolition, Abolition. Today. Greetings, this is Max Parthas from Abolition Today. I'm here with my co-host Yusuf Hassan, and we have a very special guest for our program today. Her Majesty the Kojito Dawute Desir Hanom Hana the second Wele is the Queen Mother of the Royal Palace. She is a high priest in Haitian Voodoo and a chief of the Zangbeto and Ngungu secret societies. The founder of the Afro-Atlantic Theologies and Treaties Institute travels extensively to promote human rights for African descendants globally. A bi-continental woman, the Queen Mother lives between the United States of America and the Republic of Benin. In almost 600 years, she is the first person in the Americas and the African diaspora designated as a crown head in Benin, the first Haitian to be enthroned on the African continent, and the first publicly enthroned Cogito or Mother of the Leopard in Benin Republic since the end of the 19th century. An educator, author, and activist, she is a thought leader in spiritual reparations, heritage, and tourism, and postmodern human geography. She's an author and curator whose work focuses on issues of cultural and spatial production, particularly as it is concerned as it concerns the sacred and contemporary art forms produced by people of African descent. The Queen Mother focuses on product development, sustainable energy production, and rebuilding the primary school associated with the Royal Palace. You can find out a lot more information about the Queen Mother, Her Majesty, at QueenMotherERD2H2.net. Once again, I'm Max Parvis. Welcome uh, to Abolition Today, Your Majesty. We are uh, honored to have you here. Thank you so much. I'm delighted to be here with you. Uh, and my apologies to everyone who tuned in back in July, was it? <laughs> yeah, July uh, 11th, yes. Yes, I, I, was, I was seriously ill um, and, um, and could not join all of you. But thank you for your faith and trust in us and for uh, joining us again. Amen. Brother so thank you. <laughs> yeah. We're just grateful that you were able to uh, reschedule, and we're just honored to have you here with us today. Thank um, you. I, I want to give a little background of really uh, information about our relationship. We've known each other for about a year now. Uh, we were introduced by Brother Sean Darling. Uh, Her Majesty is a member of the Committee on the United Nations. Uh, is also involved in the Durban Declaration, which we have just um, celebrated the anniversary of recently. And uh, we have been speaking with her in regards over this past year uh, about international support, particularly from the United Nations and the African nations, in regards to ending slavery uh, in America 
and by default helping to end slavery when I say slavery I mean legalized slavery across the globe which has been adopted by nations all over the world well for those that don't know and you should know if you're listening to abolition today that slavery is legal in the United States through the 13th amendment of the US Constitution as well as two dozen state constitutions and that model of prison for profit, which has been practiced since 1865, has now spread to global proportions where, uh, for instance, on the entire continent of Africa, the largest private employer is a prison company by the name of G4S, uh, which has uh, over 120,000 employees. And that is just ridiculous. So, uh, Queen Mother, we... Uh, appreciate you being here today and we are mm-hmm. very thankful that we have you on our side in regards to an international plea to help mm-hmm. get the support to get this done uh, I'll pass the mic over to you thank you yeah no this this really is an important issue um, so a lot of my work has focused on the elimination of racism racial discrimination xenophobia and other forms of intolerance. Um, I know with a particular focus on Afrophobia, and and Afrophobia, as you know, is that uh, form of violence that is not only physical, but it's psychosocial, um, that uh, places this irrational fear against the African person, um, the person of African descent um, and his or her culture. And, and and I believe that Afrophobia is at the heart of the mass incarceration that we see happening in this country and this growing global need to uh, clamp down on the presence, make us uh, invisible and silence, silence the voices of people of African descent globally. So um, we really do need to talk about this. Uh, and, and this issue is particularly important in the, uh, the, the, the 20th anniversary of the Durban Declaration and Program of Action Plan. And then within that, the International Decade for People of African Descent started in 2016 and ends in 2024. Thank you. Um, yeah, it, it, it does seem like here in the United States, particularly in other European countries, that it is being used to silence voices, to control populations, uh, to, to literally, to a larger degree, commit genocide. Because you're not making babies in no prisons here in the United States. And um, it takes a lot of people off of the streets during their prime years. Uh, so yeah. not to mention the murders being done by police uh, on a regular basis. Uh, we crunched the numbers not too long ago, and on an average, about 1,200 people, according to the government, which you know is probably a low ball, uh, about 1,200 people a year are killed by police. And if you just multiply that times a decade, you're talking about 12,000 people dead at the hands of police in a single decade just from the police alone not counting what happens inside the prisons themselves and the jails where those numbers are nearly double 
So we're talking about something like 35, 36,000 people in a single decade killed by our system of criminal justice. Yeah. Now, in regards to other nations, particularly African nations, I suspect it might be more of a economic issue, uh, trying to earn to create that economic development program that has been developed here in the United States, where we use racism, you can't really use that reasoning in places like Ghana, uh, where <clears throat> the human rights atrocities in their prisons are beyond belief. Uh, they sit knee to back. Uh, that's how they sit and sleep because they can't move. It's like a slave ship right. that is so overcrowded and there's no health care for them. They barely are eating. Uh, and oftentimes they never even get a trial they're just captured on the street accused of a crime and then put into a cell or in this hell on earth so america is definitely all about the racism as well as europe in america we have more black men behind bars and cages built for human beings than all of the top five african nations top five populated african nations combined so we're way above everybody else when it comes to just throwing black bodies into these cages. But on the other hand, as I mentioned, in other African nations, uh, it's more about the money. Any any commentary on that, Queen Mother? Um, yes, I mean, um, unfortunately, as we uh, strive for, quote unquote, development, um, money is an issue, and, um, and government uh, will uh, seek out whatever resources are available to them um, to um, uh, to secure revenue. Um, so the, the 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 temptation, the seduction of of funds, of jobs, of uh, various kinds of uh, opportunities that will um, help uh, is create employment opportunities. Um, in, in developing countries is going to be taken um, by governments. And I'm not saying that they're not going to reflect on, on the consequences and the implications of being uh, uh, engaged to uh, the, the, the prison industrial complex, especially when it's not being defined. The notion of prison isn't being defined, and the notion of incarceration isn't being defined by them, but from the outside. Um, uh, so, yes, money is is a, is a concern. I would say that, but I'm not going to back down from my argument about aphobia, and I Absolutely. say that because while mm -hmm. racism isn't the problem uh, itself, we do have issues of caste. Mm -hmm. in our African societies and in the Caribbean and as, um, as um, what is it, quite as it's kept even in the U.S. Um, but it's more pronounced in, in, uh, in places like, well, as far as African descendants are concerned, it's most acutely pronounced in places like Nepal, India, Pakistan, um, in, in that whole Indo-Kaki region that we are aware of. Um, but the issue of caste is a problem uh, here on the African continent uh, as well as in the, the Caribbean. Uh, so uh, the vestiges of colonialism um, 
and the desire to, again, minimize the, the presence, visibility, the voice of the person of African descent is what has replaced uh, racism. Uh, you know, the notion of enslavement, uh, of, of, of incarcerating the black body, um, whether it's on this side of the Atlantic or on this side of the Atlantic, is still part of the the infrastructure of um, of life here. It's, it's cultural in, in, in infrastructure, and the the and the mentality of of authorities here. Um, so uh, they're in some ways uh, different sides of the same coin. Um, we we often recognize one side of the coin being more prominent than the other. But it's still the same issue when you look at it at the end of the day. Uh, I, I don't blame you for not backing down on Afrophobia. I believe that <laughs> is correct. And I think you also hit the nail on the head when you mentioned colonialism. Uh, a couple of examples. I'll give one, and then I, I, if Yusuf is, is willing, uh, maybe he can give the other, which is the story of what happened with Jamaica when they asked for rest reparations. But mm-hmm. in Nigeria, for instance, back in the 1960s, Nigeria didn't have any prisons. It wasn't something that they... Uh, manage in their society and now they have over 200 prisons in Nigeria just since 1960 and that was because of mm-hmm. colonialism and, and put these systems into play within those communities and then play people against each other uh, using their powers in order to create the conditions that we see now in Nigeria and also uh, Jamaica so I'll pass that mic over to uh, brother Yusuf so he can tell the story about what happened when Jamaica asked for reparations Yusuf, you there? I'm here. Can you hear me? Oh, okay. Yes. Okay. So, did you mean Jamaica or did you mean uh, Haiti? I'm, I'm talking about Jamaica. Remember they, when they asked for reparations and Britain made uh, their counter offer to reparations? I recall. I just don't recall the... Uh, the story behind it. I do well, recall it, though. All right. Well, then I'll, I'll give it real quick. Uh, of course, as you know, Jamaica uh, demanded reparations, and they spoke with Brit- Britain about uh, receiving these reparations. And in lieu of reparations, Britain offered to build a new prison, a for-profit right. private prison right. in Jamaica as the their form of reparations, explaining that it would generate revenue for them on a consistent basis by having this prison that Britain built and manages. So for them, that was their offer of reparations by locking more black people up in Jamaica and making it into a business. Uh, Your Majesty? Um, yeah, it, 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 it's pretty damn offensive when you stop and think about it and connect the dots to other things about why are so many Jamaican Muslims? Why are so many African Americans in prison to begin with? And part of it has to do uh, with the with the the, the the use and or the sale of, of drugs and, um, and marijuana in particular. And now, who wants uh, who has legalized the use of marijuana? And more importantly, who is profiting from that? So there there are these 
ironies that are there that we really need to reflect upon and and respond to. Um, but I, I'm going to go back for a minute to uh, something that I said uh, earlier. Yeah, I think that we need to keep in mind um, um, because it's about who's articulating the discourse and who, who's controlling the narrative. And, you know, the notion, uh, for in, for example, of enslavement is very, very different um, uh, for Africans than what it was for Europeans. You know, chattel slavery where people are a, a furniture, basically, and can be um, uh, sold, willy-nilly, families taken apart, all that sort of thing was the norm during a historic uh, slavery. Um, but the African version of enslavement didn't involve destroying families, people for, people's names being forgotten or, or annihilated, their, their cultural sensibilities being uh, erased. Um, you might be considered uh, uh, an enslaved person or belong to a class of slaves uh, in many African countries, but you had your name, you knew who your family was, and you weren't considered a piece of property. So these are two different notions of the same construct. And so I, I, I raise this up because the notion of prison, um, you know, the same way all societies have had uh, enslaved people, societies have some form of incarceration, but they could be defined very differently. And so we, you know, I'd be curious if anybody's done any research about what, how have African societies, by and large, as diverse, you know, as we are, how have we looked at imprisonment? How have we um, uh, seen, um, uh, how do we perceive incarcerated people? What, what constitutes a prison? You know, uh, it isn't just a, uh, perhaps there's no physical structure involved at all. There are limitations um, regarding who you can interact with and how you interact with them. Um, uh, limitations about where you go, um, but you're not in a box somewhere. Um, and when the notion of the box, of the barakun, uh, for example, uh, you, you, you mentioned Nigeria, when did that come in? Um, did that have something to do with contact with the Europeans? And European notions of what enslaved, um, of, of what it, of prisons are, and and what prisoners are to look like, and how they to be treated. So there are these, these cultural differences um, uh, that uh, uh, you know have historic significance, but then ultimately relate to um, what happens to these what happens to these populations, especially once they get out. Um, from behind bars and their ability to be reintegrated in our society that um, uh, has to be addressed. Abolition. Wow, Max, I was so into that <laughs> that I forgot that it was going to be ending, you know, part that, one, that yeah. part. That was just part mm-hmm. one. And that was just so much information just there. 
If we would have right. ended it there, you know, we would have been like, wow, that was a great interview, but there's just so much more to come. So definitely stay tuned because we have three more parts to that. Uh, yeah, we got lost that, in the conversation for sure. Not even mm-hmm. an interview, just a conversation. Right, and, right, of course, right. I dropped the ball. I got caught completely off guard because I'm sitting there, you know, ready to talk about something else. And you <laughs> say, oh, Jamaican. And I'm like, oh, 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 oh. <laughs> Hey, it, it happens, man. We we can bring yeah. parts sometimes. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> it happens. But I know you knew. You just couldn't at the moment, so I, I yeah, no problem. Yeah, my mind was just elsewhere on that. But, you know, that, that's it. I mean, that's that seems to be the worldwide solution. It's like, okay, we need to generate some revenue. Let's build a prison. But one thing, there's a couple of very key things that people should be realizing here. One, we are... We're talking about royalty right now. This is among heads of state. You know, it's the most stable democratic nation in Africa is uh, Benin, and uh, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's you know, and we're talking about internationally coming together on these issues. Um, and she has some great insights. We're gonna hear a whole lot more. But before we do that, let's take a quick break and digest what we just heard uh, with a little bit more wisdom and a song. How about that? Uh, sure. My mentor, Amiri Baraka, used to explain about how art is a weapon. And honestly, we be wielding these weapons right here on this program. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so you know where I learned it from was Amiri Baraka. And we're going to hear a little bit from him, followed by Fat Boy Slim featuring Boosie Collins, Weapon of Choice. You're listening to Abolition Today, abolitiontoday.org with Max Passan. You just heard part one of our conversation with Her Majesty, the Queen Mother of Benin. We'll be right back after this. Abolition. Abolition. Art speaks to people. That's why they use it against you. You know, everything surrounding you is art, but it's being used against you, you see. I mean, you hear hundreds of times a day stuff that's anti your development. Hundreds of times. They sing, they make you sing songs that are telling you you don't have no sense, you're crazy, you don't have no future. You think you're just singing a song. You're actually teaching yourself the propaganda of your opposed. So always the artist, progressive artist, wants to put art into the hands of the people, into the minds of the people, you know. Uh, <laughs> but it's... I mean, look at the the films that exist and find one of those hundred films that has a progressive line. Look at the television shows. Find even one of them that's essentially progressive. The problem is that they are able to bribe and entice our people, oppress people, to take part in, you know, uh, art forms that actually attack them and, you know, discriminate against them, even, uh, you know, call them names and stuff. They, 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 they are people who, a lot of times, are not conscious enough to avoid being placed in situations where they're actually helping their enemies, you know, because they can finally say they're getting paid. You know, and that's their excuse. You know, they're getting paid. Paid. 
Collins way back in the day when you got the booty glasses inside of the album cover. You know, yeah. That was a good uh, good trip down memory lane to see even bringing up booty. No doubt, man. Well, uh, so, we want to keep... you're the artist. <laughs> yeah, shout out to, uh, you know, Mary's got so much to teach. Just like Frederick has so much to teach. Like, I only got one mentor left who's still alive. All of my mentors have passed, and I'm right. still learning from them after they've passed. Um, but right. let's keep the conversation with the Queen going uh, With Her Majesty Sure. Uh, and we'll come back after that And make some commentary Maybe even take a call or two uh, After part two um, You just heard Amir Baraka on the Art is a Weapon With Fatboy Slim and Boosie Collins Weapon of Choice Next you're going to hear part two Of our conversation with Her Majesty The Queen Mother of Benin, West Africa. That would be followed by music from RTS Music Argentina. Well, not followed by, but accompanied by. Company. And they'll, yeah, they'll, that's Afro Percussion album. We'll be right back after this. Abolition. Abolition. Today. It was Today. Europeans that brought these ideas to the African continent as well as other uh, continents across the globe. <laughs> Many didn't know anything about a prison. It wasn't something how they worked their justice. Uh, but now it's everywhere. Um, some yeah. uh, other examples. Um, well, let's let's take it home to Benin. Um, I, I spoke to you earlier about it. If you don't mind, mm-hmm. I, I want to share the information. No, no, no. Uh, in Benin, uh, right now there are 11 million people. There's a population of 11 million. The incarceration rate mm-hmm. per 100,000 is 63, which is comparatively low compared to the United States. But nonetheless. Right. Their prison density, uh, their population is at 204%. Uh, and this is an article, I will read a little bit of it from the prisoninsider.com. And it says, uh, Beninese prisoners face overcrowding and lack of access to water, food, and the supervision of trained staff. Uh, the prison occupancy rate was 204%, which is the same rate that we had in Alabama here, where uh, the Department of mm. Justice declared that it was a violation of uh, human rights as well as the Eighth Amendment. They say that shared cells are overcrowded and sleeping quarters are subjected to strict rules between prisoners. So the prisoners are determining what the sleeping conditions mm-hmm. are. And they say that the space allocated to each inmate depends on seniority. The majority of prisoners yeah. sleep on the floor, head to feet, unable to move. Um, they say that it promotes the spread of disease that develops rapidly due to a lack of hygiene. 
and one of the reasons for this overcrowding is the particularly high number of defendants as compared to the number of convicted persons. Again, that's what we're dealing with in the United States. We have like 12 million people going through our jail system every year, and we end up with 2.5 million who finally get convicted mm-hmm. and end up in a prison. Right. Uh, so in Benin, is much along the same lines. Uh, any commentary on that? Yeah. Yes, I mean, it's, it's, the, same, um, it's the same logic. Uh, and, you know, the things that we see being done in our societies um, on a day-to-day basis uh, in uh, a non-incarcerated population are the same things that we're going to see repeated in our, our, our prisons. So in a place like Benin, um, where, in fact, it's um, highly stratified, uh, uh, seniority does count for everything in, in every place that you go, um, you know, right down to who gets to, see, to sit next to whom, um, we're going to see the same phenomena playing itself out, which, of course, makes sense in the prison system. Um, uh, people, I find, are very litigious. Uh, I'm not saying they don't have good reason to be, um, but that kind of litigious mentality ends up um, uh, putting all kinds of, 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 of folk in prison um, for long periods of time. And if you do not have family uh, who can come in and feed you and provide you with water and, and take care of your needs, um, you know, you're not going to be taken care of. There, 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 there are no free meals for you to count on. There is no television to watch. There are none of the things that uh, perhaps in some American um, jails are might be considered luxuries. Um, you're just going to starve. A lot of people are afraid of going to prison here um, because it's just, it's just a death sentence as far as they're concerned. You, know, you don't know when you're going to get out. You don't know how long you're going to be there. Um, and if you live in the, in, the, in, the, in the north, for example, your family is nine hours away uh, on a good day, um, you know, with, with roads being what they are, um, you, might not, you might not be taken care of. So how long will you last? Mm. Um, so, so these are real issues that need to be addressed. Um, uh, and, and, and so the imposition of, you know, uh, the global north and its constructs of prisons um, uh, can't be and shouldn't be applied uh, to, to folks in the global south um, because uh, those conditions are, are harsh enough as they, as they are. Um, now, in, in other places like the Seychelles, but there's a teeny, teeny, teeny little island. Um, almost 800 uh, people in a pod, in the, for every 100,000 are in prison, and um, and and this is just to show you uh, uh, how much the prison uh, industrial complex has penetrated uh, the African continent, and um, this is putting people away. And there's also been a sharp increase in the female population uh, globally, um, yes. but also yeah, on the African continent that um, creates all sorts of problems. Um, uh, you know, and, 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 and probably nothing different from what happens elsewhere, 
only if, when to get out in in uh, some of our societies, the African and African societies, how one is treated. Uh, you know, I was recently told a story about a man who had been in in prison uh, because he abused his wife. Um, yet he managed to impregnate ten women while in prison. Now, once these women in prison, the fact that they have been raped and they have had children out of wedlock is going to create a whole other set of problems for them, not just economic ones, but the, the kind of shunning uh, from, from family and uh, the abandonment from, from, from family, n- n- social neglect. Um, that is you know, kinship-based, that is familial. Um, not just you know, a, a kind of broader social issue. And that creates a whole set of, of um, this is part of the fact of social violence that gets done to uh, our communities um, that then require uh, us to, to find active ways of, of healing our people. Um, but you know, if we live in societies where this notion of prison is a relatively new one in historic terms, we're also not going to have the, the resources within our societies or enough of the resources within our societies to help find remedies, cures, um, you know, rehabilitative actions, healing uh, for, for uh, those who have been imprisoned, especially those who are not convicted, um, are actually innocent, um, and, uh, and, and have had to endure um, the, the tragedy of being in, in prison systems. Uh, no where they are. Uh, when you were talking about the uh, women having these children out of wedlock by incarcerated individuals, it reminds me of what happens here in states in Tupwiler's prison in Alabama would be an example where they have an abortion mm-hmm. clinic right there on the facility in the prison, and they have an adoption agency run by Russians just up the road. Uh, and the wow. reason that they have these is because the guards themselves are raping the women in the prisons, yeah. which is very much like chattel slavery uh, conditions, where mm-hmm. you're subject to these rapes continuously. And they've known about this in Alabama for over a decade now, and the women who have uh, told their stories about their abortions and their children being adopted and then being raped and molested by guards. Uh, the Department of Justice investigated it, and to the best of my knowledge, only a couple of the guards were terminated. The rest who are still were doing the raping are still there doing the raping. Right. Yes. And no, no arrests. No arrests, exactly. And I am very proud of two things. One, that we have an organization here called the Abolish Slavery National Network, which is shining a light on these human rights atrocities. And two, that uh, we have allies like yourself who are part of the United Nations uh, committees and able to help us get this word out across the globe so that we can build an alliance against slavery internationally. Queen Mother? Thank you. Thank you. Now, allow me to, to say... Um, first of all, I want people to understand that the the, the UN is really for states, uh, for member states, for countries, um, but it has created room for uh, civil society. And so, I um, my involvement in any UN activity is from the civil society uh, side. Um, 
we were talking about the UN, uh, I do want to mention that the UN um, Commission on Crime Prevention and Criminal Justice, uh, the group of friends of the UN, standard minimum rules for the treatment of prisoners, aka the Nelson Mandela rules, uh, along with others met in May 2021 to discuss a common position. And the common position underscores uh, the fundamental challenges that face um, prisoners globally, and, and that that is the ultimate purpose of the sentence. And the ultimate purpose of the sentence um, is seen as uh, a way to protect society from crime and recidivism by preparing prisoners for their social integration in society uh, once they've been released. Um, uh, so uh, they're trying to find ways of addressing this issue and looking at issues of over-incarceration, uh, prison uh, overcrowding, neglect, and abuse. Um, you know, uh, I think I mentioned earlier that in prison, uh, you find the, re- the reiteration of the same ugly scourges in our respective societies. So the problem isn't just the prisons themselves. And for me, this kind of fetish we seem to have for in- enslaving people, um, especially in the U.S., but it you know, has now been nurtured and cultivated elsewhere in the Americas, mainly Brazil uh, and El Salvador, um, but is now uh, becoming the flavor of the month in places um, uh, like, like Benin and, 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 and Ghana. But the, the, the UN is trying to see how it could commit to providing technical assistance and advocacy work that's aimed at you know, shifting policies towards uh, prevention and taking measures that will keep people out of prison. Uh, they will want to see how they can improve prison conditions and management and do a better job at rehabilitation so that um, uh, there are more uh, uh, ex-offenders uh, able to get, more ex-offenders able to get back into society and stay in society um, as opposed to finding their way they went back and becoming effectively slaves of society. Um, they're um, looking for ways um, to uh, really encourage, um, like the, the 233 prison systems that we have globally, uh, to do some real penal reform and um, and also to provide better data so that we know who's in prison, why they're. They're there, for example. Um, I, you know, as I think back about some of the work that you and I have done together, um, I've often talked about uh, a kind of intertextual approach to uh, to abolition of, of enslavement. That is, where we're looking at multiple laws, conventions, resolutions, and mandates that are going to help us, um, even if it's just like a piece of something. Um, uh, the the common agenda. That is a critical part of the 2030 Agenda for Sustainable Development. Um, the very first thing that it calls for is no one left behind. No one left behind. That includes prisoners and the formerly incarcerated. So, you know, we've got to get involved. Um, we've got to know get involved in um in spaces like the the UN and and, and other world um, or organizations, so that whatever things that 
again, laws, resolutions, etc., that they're calling for, that we we are aware of them and we can use um, those tools as part of our arsenal um, to 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 push for an end to enslavement, to abolish slavery. Um, you know, we talked a lot about the DDPA in, in in the past, and those who don't know the. DDPA is the Durban Declaration and Program of Action Plan. Uh, it's a, a really important document that speaks against racism, racial discriminations, xenophobia, and like it, it came out of the 2001 World Conference Against Racism that took place in uh, Durban, South Africa. The DDPA acknowledges slavery as a crime against humanity that should have never occurred. Now they're, now they're talking about historic enslavement. But the DDPA recognizes the continuing impact of historic enslavement, especially on African descendants, uh, in the form of mass incarceration. And I bring this up because the issue of reparations is very much at, at stake in the, D, the DDPA outcome document. So we have to make sure, especially this year, the, the 20th anniversary of the DDPA, that this critical moral mandate doesn't expire. You know, we can't let the DDPA die. And the question of reparations, which I see it, um, and, and abolition as being a part of that, you know, um, if, we, if we let the DDPA die, uh, uh, slavery and the call for abolition um, will be off the table as a legal issue. So we've got to work on, um, on these sorts of things. We've got to get... Um, increase our overall awareness of the international legal instruments that we have at our disposal and and use them. Abolition. You just heard part two of our interview with Her Majesty the Queen Mother of Benin, West Africa. And that was accompanied by the music from RGS Music Argentina Afro Percussion Album. So much stuff was discussed in that uh, section, Max. Still got a lot more to come, man. I'm doing like everybody else, you know. Uh, I'm sitting back and really just absorbing and learning and listening uh, to the conversation uh, like our people are listening right now. You know, I don't want to add anything right. more to it. At this point, we are saying more than enough for today for you to absorb. Uh, and I'm doing it right along exactly. with you. And there's more to come. Um, what I'd like Some to do, though... Some are probably even saying, I wish they shut up and play part three. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? That's in the back of my head right now. Like, Max, just shut up and get on to part three. <laughs> but uh, what I'd like to do is I know that we have a lot of people who are on the line. If you want to make a question or comment, we've got about three to five minutes to spare to do so. Uh, press one on your keypad. And the call-in number, if you're listening live, is 515 515- 605 Remember to press 1 or we're not going to bring you in. We can't guess that you want to say something. So press 1 on your key keyboard. All right, Yusuf. Yeah, man. So so much that's put in there, uh, you know, talking mm-hmm. about the cultural differences uh, as well as uh, the, the way that these systems are being adopted in other cultures. <laughs> you know, we're here in America. Right. She had mentioned about, you know, it's based on race, but over there, there's a lot of caste systems. So there's Africans incarcerating Africans, but they're choosing people of particular caste to do so as their uh, right. target of oppression rather than by race. But the system itself is working exactly the same. 
Absolutely. And, you know, I've lived in Africa and I've spent, you know, taking trips over and I've always wanted to go with my mother. And this is one of the things that bothers her so much, you know, not just the historical aspect of we know that we have ancestors that were responsible for putting us into the slave trade, but then also the current things that are happening, you know, through caste systems, through outside interference. We know there are a lot of agitators that are causing that, you know, so it's tough. And then, you know, she spoke about the enslaver of the month, you know, and that, you know, just hearing her say that, that this is what's going on and, just as she recognizes it, many people recognize this going on. And then when they're talking about, you know, the Durban Declaration and having the conferences, and we know that uh, the U.S., you know, when they had the World Conference on Racism back in 2001, we know the U.S. walked out of that. You know, so I, it's, it's going to be really tough bringing the U.S. to the table to talk about ending slavery in the U.S. Well, Actually, so, we go into that in our conversation uh, in part three. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, like I said, yeah, there's no. <laughs> so much we've already covered, so we might as well go ahead. It's the 8 o'clock mark. It doesn't look like anybody has a question or comment. They just want to listen. So before we play part three, let's take our music break. Trust me, it fits into the narrative of everything you'll hear tonight, all right? <laughs> and uh, so we're going to listen to Sidewalk Chalk uh, doing Them, Us. You're listening to Abolition Today, abolitiontoday.org with Max Parthas and Yusuf Hassan. Uh, our discussion today is with the Queen Mother of Benin, Africa, uh, Dewoti Desir, uh, Anon Ana, the second, Gwele. <laughs> I got it by memory, see? <laughs> and yeah, we'll be right yeah, you're good at it. This. <laughs> Abolition, Abolition, Abolition.
Oh yeah, what's up, mom? Uh, awesome, man. Yeah, it, it got me feeling some kind of way too. You know what I mean? Um, right. We must do better at loving each other, and that's what the queen was she, talking about. Exactly. She said, "You got to make me some music, you know, for a fact I'd like and appreciate." <laughs> Mom, so we're gonna send her to the tape? Abolition Today YouTube page. <laughs> uh oh, Mom, want me to make her a mixtape? Uh oh. <laughs> no doubt, I'm glad. I'm she just imagining her driving around, blasting that out the car. Them well, us. One, one day she's gonna call in, man. Uh, speaking of calling, remember press one on your keypad if you got a question or a comment. We only have a couple minutes for it, and we got to do it in between. Cause like everybody else, I'm just salivating for part three. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Okay. Jamelia just raised her hand. Oh, there we go. Awesome. Hello. Good evening. Huh. I'm, you know, oh. I'm over here in between phone calls, just loving it all. She says so many things. Yes. Oh, my God, I'm going to have to go back and play this one over and over. One thing she said that really grabbed me, though, was that we really need to learn more about the international law and start mm-hmm. exercising them. That mm-hmm. was that was a that was a jewel right there. I love that. So, you know, I just uh, want to send my love to you all, tell you all, you know, I'm constantly thinking about you. You stay in my heart and on my mind. But uh, I'm here and beautiful tonight. I just absolutely love it. Thank you so much, sister. Thank you so much. Uh, Shout out to Brother Samuel, uh, who is going to be with us sometime in 2022, I believe. Uh, So we're praying for him and looking forward to seeing him out. Uh, Thanks for commenting as well, Jamea. Much appreciated. All right, so let's get back into uh, the program. Like everybody else, I'm waiting for part three. Uh, like, there's nothing to say that we haven't really covered. We covered it all. And you're listening to Abolition right. Today, abolitiontoday.org, with Yusuf Hassan and Max Parthas. Our discussion, part three, with the Queen Mother of, we'll be right back after this. Abolition, Abolition. Today. Abolition. That was uh, a wealth of information you just shared with us. I want to switch. Uh, direction just for a brief second mm-hmm. so uh for those who don't know you you have ties to haiti yeah and there's always usually when the when haiti comes up the first word that's mentioned is voodoo mm-hmm. and yeah. <laughs> you know and many people don't know that you have a do- you have a doctor documentary out entitled Voodoo Theology of Liberation. I watched the uh, preview of it. I really enjoyed it. I can't wait to see the entire thing. Uh, any information you'd like us to know about that, or you can explain what the theology of liberation is uh, as it sure. pertains to your documentary? For sure. First of all, it's not my documentary. I featured in it, uh, although I, I'm the one who provided the title for it and the reason for it. Uh, but Sister Bella Bahia, uh, a, a professor, uh, also a Haitian historian, uh, is the, the other prominent uh, person featured in that film made by Dalian and, um, and Verona Adolfo, who are uh, um, Ghanaian and Black British. They're based in London. Uh, so this is a work that really 
uh, started seven years ago, the process of making documentaries is a lengthy one. Um, uh, but, uh, you know, I was talking about space at that time. Okay. And you know, space as we understand it, uh, space is a social construct, and space, you know, this, this is related to, to enslavement, um, how spaces get restricted and, and or constricted. Um, we are confined linguistically, spiritually, intellectually, um, uh, genetically. Um, you know, that, 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 that's part of the bigger agenda of genocide. And uh, for me, Vudu as a theology of liberation, Vudu is about a search for peace. You know, and the search for peace is not just a, a spiritual or moral one, but it's also about making sure that you are um, an upright human being and living your best life, as we as we say these days. Um, that you have security, that you know who you are, that you are able to connect with your ancestors, that you know that your children are going to be fine. Um, and so um, when we search for peace and we search fervently for it, because that's what voodoo means, that, 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 to, to, to search for that kind of, of peace, um, if you've got to go to war <laughs> for it, if it gets to that point where you've got to fight for peace, then we're going to do that too. And so the, the notion of a theology of liberation is that, you know, um, the environment that we are in uh, uh, determines um, the nature of the, the peace that we have uh, in our lives. Um, but when we are effectively at war with flesh peddlers, um, with people who don't think that we are human, um, when uh, you know you're going to arrive someplace that is not connected to you, and probably within a year you'll be dead, but, but if you manage to survive that first year, you'll be dead in three years. Um, that kind of knowledge is going to um, cultivate some uh, something else in a person, a, a very militant, a very radical vision of the world, and and one that is going to take the notion of peace, the, that idea of being a warrior for peace, um, into another space, into another headspace, into another military um, dimension, uh, into another metaphysical realm. And so um, the, the film is unpacking what some of that uh, is about. And, um, you know, the, the Haitian liber struggle for liberation officially began in 1791, August 14, 1791, and, um, and culminated in our Declaration for Independence in January 1804. Um, so uh, we engaged in this battle. We became the first republic not just the first black republic, but the first republic, the first people anywhere to liberate themselves from enslavement. And, um, and when Jean-Jacques de uh, changed the constitution, he declared all black men free and said that if you were a person of African descent, no matter where you were in the world, as long as you could make it to Haiti, you, you would be a free man, you would be a free woman there. Um, 
And of course, IT used its resources uh, because it was considered the richest colony uh, in uh, in the Americas. Um, uh, but use the resources. If, if, if you actually have uh, you know, money, we had coffee, we had gold, we had all sorts of things, and um, and use that to support liberation struggles uh, in in Latin America, uh, for example, in El Salvador, in Venezuela, in Colombia, um, with the understanding that you support us and you free every person of African descent. Uh, in your territory, um, and so uh, this is a this is a, a spiritual position. Uh, it's a moral position that we took, um, but you know it 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 is also about how we see our societies, where we honor and we respect one another. We honor and respect our ancestors. We honor and respect um, the Most High, and um, and so this film is is looking at at these issues and really working to break down the stereotypes that we have about voodoo with, you know, people running around with chicken bones in their noses and and um, and engage in satanic uh, worship, which has nothing to do with us. Nothing. Yeah, thank you for that, Queen Mother. Uh, just one follow-up question, uh, mm-hmm. because you brought up uh, Haiti getting gaining its uh, liberation. Uh, from France, and we know that from the period of gaining independence until about 1947, Haiti had to pay reparations mm-hmm. to France, and Forbes magazine is estimated to be about $21 billion that they paid exactly. during that period. Uh, and I believe that that has contributed to the conditions in Haiti up until this day. Uh, any oh, commentary absolutely. on that? Absolutely. How you figure you're not going to pay $21 billion to somebody and not be broke at the end of the day? Right. How are you going to advance when every resource that you do, everything that you have, you know, 99 cents out of your dollar has to go towards paying this debt? And this perverse definition of what reparations mean. Um, um, but this this, 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 this this perverse construct, and this is why I talked earlier about who's defining the narrative. You know, if it's them, um, uh, they're going to take a position that's always going to work. I hate to talk about them and us. But there is a them in us. There is a them in us. There is a polemic that is at, at play. And, uh, and our historic oppressors have always and only done things um, in their favor, in their benefit, and never in ours. And so we have to um, take back, we've got to reclaim those spaces, linguistic, legal, spiritual, and otherwise, so that we do, in fact, liberate ourselves. Um, you know, uh, all of this uh, historical uh, perversity, again, continues to impact itself on, 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 on IET, but also on all of us. Because my position is what happens to IED happens to you as an African descendant. You know, last when we were supposed to talk back in July, it was just 
uh, what, a couple of days after the Haitian uh, president, Jovenel Moïse, was assassinated. We were supposed to talk on the 11th. He was, he was murdered. He was slaughtered on the, on the 8th. Now, the first citizen of a country, a head of state, is at home in his bed asleep and somebody can come up or these people can come up in uh in 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 there is another word i really want to use but i'll be polite <laughs> but people can come up in there mercenaries is coming up in his face um and and, and breach his home and take away his life what does that tell you as a person of african descent you are not safe anywhere. We are not safe anywhere. We've had similar incidents happen to regular citizens in the United States. Sisters in her bed, um, police come in, take her life away. That's a regular citizen. And I'm not saying heads of states are more important than anybody else, but heads of state in theory are the most secure people on the planet. And yet they managed to do that to him. So what does that tell the rest of us? You know, that our lives too are in danger. Our lives too don't matter that way. Um, but it also tells us that we really need to be in a state of solidarity with one another. Um, to know who we are, know each other's histories. So that we're in a better position to um, prevent such things, um, to protect uh, ourselves and to protect each other and, 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 and have a clearly articulated response to um, these kinds of dangers. Um, so that, that's actually something I would have talked about then, but I, I feel compelled to, and we still need to talk about now, uh, the need to create solidarity among us. And the work that we are, are doing with the Abolish Slavery uh, National Network is about that. That's why we're not looking at things just in the United States. We're looking at things globally um, be, be, because um, it, it is incumbent upon us. We need to create and sustain a meaningful solidarity uh, uh, among all of us. And, and, and let me say that you know, one of the spaces that we need to take advantage of to create and sustain solidarity, especially within the world, the UN system, is that we now have a permanent forum for people of African descent. Um, it's been in existence since August 2021, so this is a very, very recent development, although it is something that, um, as part of the DDPA process, has been, you know, in, in the works for at least a decade. Uh, the, the permanent forum for people of African descent is like a 10-person body that is intended to amplify, amplify our voices as African descendants, and it's going to give us an opportunity to respond to all kinds of UN matters, all sorts of, 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 of bills, of resolutions, ideas. Um, you know, we'll be able to respond uh, to, this thing, to these things in, in real time. Um, so we, we, we've got to make sure that uh, the, the permanent forum, uh, whoever its, its leaders are, know what we think. Um, they need to know just how important abolition is to us. 
And so um, our collective involvement uh, at UN events, you know, and, and many of them are now taking online, um, uh, your, our participation counts there, you know, our emails, letters, uh, all of that counts. So we have to make sure that the Permanent Forum hears from us. And along with the working group of experts for people of African descent, you know, as long as it's functioning, we have to do the same. Um, uh, this is we have to do the same to our 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 uh, our our politicians, our, our legislators. Um, uh, the the UN consists of member states, as I say. We are civil society, but the, the UN consists of member states, and and the state ultimately consists of people. And we as taxpayers, right, that means that we're paying their salaries. That means that the state works for us. So they, too, have got to know uh, what we think. We've got to let our voices be heard and demand an end to enslavement in our global prison system. Abolition. 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 That was part three of our conversation with the Queen Mother. And that was accompanied by the traditional African voodoo drum music. And that was a great segment. She just, the whole conversation was just so great. We got so much information out of her. And I just wanted to read a little piece about the permanent forum on, uh, on people of African descent. It was created on August 2nd, 2021. So it's just something newly created. And it's a consultative mechanism for people of African descent and other relevant stakeholders as a platform for improving the safety and quality of life and livelihoods of people of African descent, as well as an advisory body to the Human Rights Council in line with the program of activities for the implementation of the International Decade for People of African Descent and in close coordination with existing mechanisms. Uh, You can find links to uh, the UN site. O-H-C-H-R, on our uh, Abolition Today Facebook page. Max? Um, yeah, man, like I said, I, I'm just really sitting here and, and listening closely, and I understand um, what she's saying, what we've been saying, that we need to come together in solidarity, not just in America, but this is a global issue. This prison-for-profit model has been adopted all across the globe now. Uh, slavery is once again mm-hmm. like it was in the transatlantic slave trade. But instead of shipping people from place to place, all you got to do is go online and buy yourself some stocks in prison, buy yourself some jail bonds in some state that you don't live in or some country you don't live in, make some investments in some prisons, and you're owning people. You know, Mm -hmm. electricity is is new since 1865. We got electricity now and all the things that come from that. And it streamlines slavery. So... Just, we need to be in solidarity because it, it, it crosses more than racial boundaries. It crosses caste as well as class. Um, and uh, mm-hmm. this is not an issue that can be solved with a check. <laughs> All right. So with that being said, man, we got one more part here. And we have also a wonderful Bridging the Gap segment ahead. Uh, so one more time, I'm going to open up the phone lines for a, a, another comment before we go to part four. Uh, if you have something to say, just press one on your keypad. Jamil, your line has just remained open because I know you that you already have the respect to put it on mute when you're not talking. So if you want to speak at any time, feel free. All right. I'm going to go ahead and get in part four. 
part four mm-hmm. of the queen, our conversation with the Queen Mother of Benin. Uh, you'll hear in the background accompanying it, or the world is a ghetto. You're listening to Abolition Today, abolitiontoday.org. We'll be right back. Abolition, Abolition. I'm glad that uh, you spoke about the theology of liberation. Uh, That is wonderful to hear uh, in that concept. It was supposed to be the same thing for Christianity. Uh, As a matter of Mm -hmm. fact, Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim that the captives will be released, the blind will see, and the oppressed will be set free. Now, if that's not a theology of liberation, then what is? Yeah. But we have fallen so far from being Christ-like here in the United States that the exact opposite has become the truth for them. And this is something that we see spreading all over the globe, as you have mentioned. And, mm-hmm. you know, it is certainly a need for us to be unified on a global level in this issue because it is a global issue. Um, uh, mm-hmm. There's different levels of it. Uh, some are worse, some are better, but it's all coming from the same roots, the same evil roots of putting people in the cages to collect money on it and to control populations. Uh, this is definitely evil, and the conditions are definitely criminal, and we should be addressing them as such. Uh, also, I-, I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, the Durban Declaration. Uh, the Durban Declaration, as powerful as it is, the United States walked out on it, and uh, not mm-hmm. once but twice. The second time, I believe they took 14 nations with them in uh, boycotting the Durban Declaration. So the United States doesn't want anything to do with the Durban Declaration, and I think that's very much because the finger is being pointed directly at them and what they're doing. Uh, we have also applied other um, international treaties in our efforts here for instance in our legal efforts to fight against the system we're applying the harvard bellagio guidelines on slavery uh, which are very simple and it's something that the united nations or the united states has signed on to and i'll just read a little bit about how they determine what is and what isn't slavery they say in cases of slavery the exercise of the powers attached to the right of ownership should be understood and con- constituting control over a person in such a way as to significantly deprive that person of his or her individual liberty with the intent of exploitation through the use, management, profit, transfer, or disposal of that person. Usually this exercise will be supported by and obtained through means such as violent force, deception, and or coercion. And we see that happening all over the world right now. The powers attached to the right of ownership. Here in the United States, they're called state property. If that's not the right of ownership, I don't know what is. And they (laughs) take away Mm -hmm. every human right and civil right and constitutional right that they have and only allow what they determine as if this is your furniture. Isn't that what you called it earlier? Like furniture. It's capital slavery, yes. Right. And so that is our legal standing that we're using on an international level in collaboration with other documents such as the Durban Declaration. Yeah, um, absolutely. That is the critical thing uh, to do. Um, use every legal instrument that is available to us. Um, you know, no stone can afford to be unturned uh, in in this matter. Uh, I don't know how long prisons have been in existence. I guess as long as human beings 
have or the notion of, of prisons. Um, but the the, 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 the current, our current understanding of it, which um, for the purposes of this discussion we have agreed is, is more of a, uh, of a white European or global northern construct um, is, is abominable. Uh-oh, I think I lost somebody. Uh, I think we lost the queen. I'm still right. here. <laughs> we'll, we'll just wait for her to call back in. Uh, it may take her a minute or two to realize that she got kicked off or, or lost her phone charge or whatever it may be. Oh, wait a minute. Hold on. All right, uh, Queen mm-hmm. Mother, I understand that your time is very limited, so I would like to give you the opportunity to give us any final messages or uh, send us to any websites or promotions that you might think our audience should be aware of. And I would also like to say we are very appreciative, appreciative, Your Majesty, of your time here with us on Abolition Today. Thank you so much. Well, thank you. So it was my pleasure to um, to speak with you and and, and to stand in solidarity uh, with with you in this struggle. Um, you know, in, in terms of websites, uh, again, uh, a lot of the. the Places I've been referencing or issues I've been referencing have to do with the UN. So it's U, uh, UN um, dot org. Uh, very simple. Um, just www.un.org. And go there, look up the permanent forum, and see what um, that is about and how we might be able to use it uh, on our behalf. Uh, learn about the Durban Declaration and Program of Action Plan um, as well. Um, you know, check out the the, 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 the commission um, uh, on crime prevention and, and and criminal justice and that group of friends of the UN uh, standing minimum uh, rules shows for the treatment of, of prisoners so that. Um, uh, and and the, the the common agenda, um, so that you uh, do have a, a very full and global outlook on um, of what is being said uh, about the state of our world. And while uh, you know, there's a lot of things there that are um, uh, supposedly for a common interest, our common good. Um, I think you also find there are uh, places that or issues that are or points that are made that really don't speak to our needs as people of African descent and uh, our needs as people who are subjected to, um, to being in, in, in incarcerated, to being a fake, um, uh, to being snatched off the streets, um, uh, and um, greater victims of. Uh, uh, whatever forms of extrajudicial uh, violence that manifest themselves, um, uh, we are the the largest number of people who have been incarcerated anywhere in the world at any given time, and continue to be. Um, don't lose sight of that. Don't think that oh, it's all in the past. History doesn't matter. History matters. Um, and we're still making it. Um, and, and, and history grinds a very slow wheel, uh, as does justice. So please get involved. Please support the Abolish Slavery Network. 
um, if you have the financial needs to do so, do so. If you have other resources, um, make those contributions. Help us help you. Help us help your team. Indeed, uh, you. Your Majesty. Thank you so much for being here. You know, when we first met, I said I had a dream that one day we would be at the United Nations making our case to that body there. And now I believe it's more of a prediction or plan that one day you and I and other members of these organizations will be standing in front of that body presenting our case. Thank you so much for your I time shared. here today. I shared. My pleasure. Okay. Thank you, Brother Max and Brother Yusuf, uh, for this opportunity. Yes. Bye-bye. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Queen Mother. And I greet you with whatever is befitting your title and parting you know, I'm not I'm not aware of the custom and I just want to make sure it's that I'm right. being respectful uh, yes, I'm just yes, so thankful right. for you being part of the ASNN the Abolished Slavery National Network because this is not a popular space so for someone to be involved in this they have to really their heart has to truly be in it and we see that in you your actions also uh, confirm you know what's what's in your heart and we're just grateful for that and i just wanted to say oh, that to you, you before you parted thank what you is the, so much i appreciate it what is the traditional uh saying when you uh finish a wonderful conversation such as we've had in benin uh people end things with um well, of course with thanks and with benedictions um uh, but uh, especially uh, as a queen mother, or if you were talking to the king, you know, long live the queen mother, long live the kingdom. <laughs> long live the queen mother, and long live the king. I mean, I mean, yes. I say, have a blessed day, uh, Your Majesty, Thank and I will you. speak with you soon. Abolition, 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 abolition. Wow, Max. That's it in its entirety. Yeah, I'm, I'm, it. I'm sad that it ended. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a very powerful conversation. And again, you know, just consider the implications, and and consider what took what it took to get to this conversation. You know what I mean? And I don't just mean right. like the current events. You know, the ancestors are smiling on us. <laughs> Like they're opening up avenues, they're making conversations happen. Uh, they're whispering in our ears and touching our hearts to point out certain things, so that these things will come into fruition. Freedom comes; it's gonna come. Freedom is gonna come. <laughs> you know, count on it. It happens. Count it on it. Well, yeah, that that was powerful. Uh, my love and appreciation goes out to Her Majesty the Queen Mother. Uh, and uh, hopefully she hears this interview uh, or discussion, which is really what it was, and says, you know, that's one of my favorite discussions that I've had. I, you know what I mean? Put it up and, there with and, and that says a lot because, you know, you, have, you and I have had some great guests on the program and then, you know, all your years on uh, other networks, you know, you've had mm-hmm. great interviews. So, wow. But this one is just so... I can't even describe it, and you know, I'm not never <laughs> full words. We covered a lot, a lot of stuff. We covered a, it's so much to say, but I think the core issues behind it here, well, the core thing to take away is that 
solidarity is needed right now. It's life or death. It literally is. Right. Pick a side. Stop playing. Get off the fence. Pick a side. What we're dealing with is very real, and people are literally losing their freedom and lives and property over it, and we need to change it yesterday. So solidarity mm-hmm. is needed now. I know you got all kinds of other issues that you have championed all your lives or that you think about more, but where on your list of priorities is slavery and genocide? And how much of the world has to go into this system of slavery and genocide before you give a damn? They don't get right. you today. They'll get you tomorrow. All right. Well, with that being said, let's right. go ahead and get into uh, our sponsors. Uh, that, you know, Everybody that helped us put this together, Brother Sean Darling, shout out to you, man. Um, you yes. uh, made the conversation yes. possible, introducing us to the Queen about a year ago. And remember, we have an opportunity to be great in this nation. Uh, not every generation gets an opportunity to be great. And we have that opportunity now. Uh, we could end slavery. <laughs> Think about it. And it doesn't have to be Republican or Democrat or white or black or red or, or brown. Just end slavery. It affects us all. Yusuf? That's it. I mean, to, you know, 150 years ago, we wouldn't be able to do what we're doing right now. We'd have to be meeting in secret in, the, in someone's basement somewhere. And now we have the opportunity to have this big voice, not just here, but in other places, you know, having a proposed amendment on the Senate floor right now. We're in the U.N. You know, we're we're all over the place. And, yes, people need to join forces with us. And first of all, let me just thank our sponsors, Jailhouse Lawyers Speak, I Am We Ubuntu Prison Advocacy Network, Sema Urge, Quakers Uplifting Racial Justice, the Paul Cuffey Abolitionist Center, Prismatic Dreams, and the Black Talk Radio Network. Remember to subscribe to our YouTube uh, channel, youtube.com slash abolition today. You definitely want to search for the abolitionist music on the uh, channel. It's everything that you hear on the program. We've been on for since March 2020, so there's a lot of tracks. I think last count was about 240 tracks that we have there. Uh, Abolition Today is also available on all major podcast platforms and is simulcast on the Black Talk Radio Network. Also remember to join the movement at abolishslavery.us and also go to intheexception.com. Or you can text uh, the words END, E-N-D, the exception, as one word. Text that to 52886. Is that correct, Max? 52886? Yes. And that will send out your support of the proposed amendment to your state senators as well as to legislatures within your state. Also, if you want to find more information on the Queen Mother, that's available at Queen Mother E, the number two, H, the number two, dot net. So we want to get into our Bridging the Gap segment. Or, Max, did you have any further announcements or statements nope, that you wanted to make it, before bro. we close up? Oh, great show, brother. Great show, So we have something special for you this evening, as we always do in our Bridging the Gap segment, we have Chadwick Bozeman. He's reading the narrative of the life of Frederick, 
and that's going to be followed by salute, plantation mentality. So we'll be back next Sunday, September 26th, God willing, with another master class on slavery abolition. So until next week, think about abolition today. Peace and blessings be upon you all. Peace. Abolition. Abolition. Every year brings with it multitudes of this class of slaves. It was doubtless in consequence of a knowledge of this fact that one great statesman of the South predicted the downfall of slavery by the inevitable laws of population. Whether this prophecy is ever fulfilled or not, it is nevertheless plain that a very different looking class of people are springing up at the South and are now held in slavery from those originally brought to this country from Africa. And if their increase do no other good, it will do away the force of the argument that God cursed Ham, and therefore American slavery is right. If the lineal descendants of Ham are alone to be scripturally enslaved, it is certain that slavery at the South must soon become unscriptural. For thousands are ushered into the world annually who, like myself, owe their existence to white fathers, and those fathers most frequently their own masters. I've had two masters. My first master's name was Anthony. I do not remember his first name. He was generally called Captain Anthony, a title which I presume he acquired by selling a craft on the Chesapeake Bay. He was not considered a rich slaveholder. He owned two or three farms and about 30 slaves. His farms and slaves were under the care of an overseer. The overseer's name was Plummer. Mr. Plummer was a miserable drunkard a profane swearer and a savage monster. He always went armed with a cow skin and a heavy cudgel. I have known him to cut and slash the women's heads so horribly that even master would be enraged at his cruelty and would threaten to whip him if he did not mind himself. Master, however, was not a humane slaveholder. It required extraordinary barbarity on the part of an overseer to affect him. He was a cruel man, hardened by a long life of slaveholding. He would at times seem to take great pleasure in whipping a slave. I have often been awakened at the dawn of day by the most heart-rending shrieks of an own aunt of mine, whom he used to tie up to a joist and whip upon her naked back till she was literally covered with blood. No words. No tears, no prayers from his gory victim seemed to move his iron heart from its bloody purpose. The louder she screamed, the harder he whipped, and where the blood ran fastest, there he whipped longest. He would whip her to make her scream and whip her to make her hush. And not until overcome by fatigue would he cease to swing the blood-clotted cowskin. I remember the first time I ever witnessed this horrible exhibition. I was quite a child, but I well remember it. I never shall forget it whilst I remember anything. It was the first of a long series of such outrages of which I was doomed to be a witness and a participant. It struck me with awful force. It was the blood-stained gate, the entrance to the hell of slavery through which I was about to pass. It was a most terrible spectacle. I wish I could commit to paper 
the feelings with which I beheld it. This occurrence took place very soon after I went to live with my old master and under the following circumstances. Aunt Hester went out one night, where or for what I do not know, and happened to be absent when my master desired her presence. He had ordered her not to go out evenings and warned her that she must never let him catch her in company with a young man who was paying attention to her belonging to Colonel Lloyd. The young man's name was Ned Roberts, generally called Lloyd's Ned. Why Master was so careful of her may be safely left to conjecture. She was a woman of noble form and of graceful proportions. Having very few equals and fewer superiors in personal appearance among the colored or white women of our neighborhood, and Hester had not only disobeyed his orders in going out, but had been found in company with Lloyd's Ned, which circumstance I found from what he said while whipping her was the chief offense. Had he been a man of pure morals himself, he might have been thought interested in protecting the innocence of my aunt but those who knew him will not suspect him of any such virtue. Before he commenced whipping on Hester, he took her into the kitchen and stripped her from neck to waist, leaving her neck, shoulders, and back entirely naked. He then told her to cross her hands, calling her at the same time a damn bitch. After crossing her hands, he tied them with a strong rope, and led her to a stool under a large hook in the joist put in for the purpose. He made her get upon the stool and tied her hands to the hook. She now stood fair for his infernal purpose. Her arms were stretched up at their full length so that she stood upon the ends of her toes. He then said to her, now you damn I'll learn you how to disobey my orders. And after rolling up his sleeves, he commenced to lay on the heavy cowskin. And soon, the warm red blood amid heart-rending shrieks from her and horrid oaths from him came dripping to the floor. I was so terrified and horror-stricken at the sight that I hid myself in a closet and dared not venture out till long after the bloody transaction was over. I expected it would be my turn next. It was all new to me. I had never seen anything like it before. I had always lived with my grandmother on the outskirts of the plantation where she was put to raise the children of the younger women. I had therefore been, until now, out of the way of the bloody scenes that often occurred on the plantation. You know, somebody had to say it. All the way that direction. Peace. 
win, you gotta defy the laws of gravity We pull each other down, even kill our own family But if I speak the truth, the whole world might be mad at me It's one explanation What's that? Plantation mentality Plantation mentality Plantation mentality Problem if you can never acknowledge that Just the reason why people say We don't know how to act We teach the same habits Passed down through generations And get the same conclusion Death of mass incarceration My folk came over on a boat in 1619 Locked in chains Bad for 400 years to the present Still ain't a whole lot changed Who can you blame for somebody picking a gun Or robbing a stove for food But his baby is starving Can't get no job cause he got in trouble in school if I get a million, how could I blame my folks if they try to rob me? The system we're using corrupted, it's been uploaded with a virus. Come to the project, see the descendants of slaves killing each other to build. They ain't trying to solve it, they bought the first for the aid to get paid off every deal. To win, you gotta defy the laws of gravity. We pull each other down, even kill our own family. But if I speak the truth, the whole world might be mad at me. It's one explanation. What's that? Nation mentality. Plantation mentality Nobody had the answer So people stop asking questions Like who were black Americans before Harriet Tubman When you start telling the truth A lie like the Swiss the subject I come up, you pull me down They cooking crabs in the bucket Jim Crow law still fly in the south You can die from the color of your skin The law that we live by was made for the slaves All stacked up against you to win I can't pretend I don't see the face of a lot of our people Who walk around hopeless It's a condition that most of us suffer from Without a doctor's diagnosis most of my history deleted, my folks took the name of a slave master. That's like comprehending a book, dismissing the first eight steps. Caught in the raps of lack of knowledge, violence, and police brutality. Dear Lord, I want to change. How do I erase this mentality? Hey, this is Max Parthas. One more time, I just want to put an ask out there. If you like what we're doing here with Abolition Today, you can make a donation to the Paul Cup Theater, where it is produced from. Our cash app is Abolition CTR with a capital A and a capital C. That's, of course, dollar sign, Abolition Center, capital A, CTR. And also our PayPal is abolitionistcenter at gmail.com. We survive on small donations. We appreciate you, and we'll see you next week. Peace.